All right, welcome back. And we are at the point of the pregame show that I look forward to every week when I get the opportunity to kind of go back and forth with the official Talking Philly Sports with Matty B pregame show, Eagles pregame show analyst, uh, the WIP show producer, the host and co-creator of the Birds IQ podcast that you can see in here on Edge of Philly Sports. And, of course, his new title as the pitcher of High Society of Rittenhouse Square, my man, Mr. Kyle Quinn. Kyle, what's going on? That's right. That was a great way to get things kind of started. And we talked about it, Kyle. We sat on this very, very show last week and we talked about uh, we talked about a lot of things. And most of those things came true, if I if I recall. And um, what was one of like before we get into this, Kyle, uh, with all this high kind of like expectation now uh, on the birds based on the win against the Falcons, is it high expectations that we should kind of let us run with it? Or is it like, hey, let's pump the brakes a little bit? No, I'm definitely running with it. One, because I had these high expectations going into the season already. But, I mean, even if you didn't, then you should be pleasantly surprised. I mean, I mean, the whole idea is to be entertained and enjoy the win. And if you're not enjoying the win, then, I mean, what are you done? Absolutely. But we have a problem in this town at times to kind of overanalyze everything. Um, everything from the um, – instead of enjoying the dominant effort of both the offense and defense and, hell, the special teams – we want to kind of make excuses of why it was a dominant effort, i.e. we played the Falcons, i.e. it was Matt Ryan, i.e. the Falcons' bad offensive line. Uh, is, is you, Would you agree to that statement, though? Oh, I, mean, I mean, 100%. People do that all the time. There, there's <laughs> some, some people you're just never going to be able to make happy. And, I mean, that's probably going to be the case for the rest of the season. They can win the Super Bowl and people are going to find reasons to complain. Yeah, absolutely. Of like, uh, Hell, you just got to look back at 2017 when – we want it, but then all of a sudden we're talking about Carson Wentz's feelings being hurt. So, yeah, and we're letting out thirty-three points on defense. You know? <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, you're right. You can't revel in the Super Bowl. I don't know what you're going to be able to revel in. So, good right. point, Kyle Quinn. All right, Kyle. Let's turn as we do in the NFL. We turn the page pretty quick, and we've moved on. It is now week two. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers at home in Philadelphia. The first, the first game to be played in front of a mass capacity at Lincoln Financial Field since, come on, Kyle, it's your turn. Since what? <laughs> that was uh, since the 2019 playoff game versus Seattle. Uh, Josh McCown game. Absolutely. The Josh McCown and Carson Wentz game. Uh, yeah. Carson Wentz's lone playoff appearance. The Jadavian Clowney game, we even call it. That. Yes. The J- <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, um, I, I was on my show earlier in the week talking with somebody from the Bay Area, and we got into the discussion about, you know, the fact that fans are allowed back into the stands now. And I made a point that we would, as far as I'm concerned, I'd be happy win, lose, or draw. It's just a very, emo- it's going to be a very emotional day down there at the link. The fact that we can all gather in mass again. How, how would you think of that? What do you think about that? Yeah, 100%. Let's let's face it. The sports sports last year was great having them back, just because we didn't have them for so long. But the reality of it was, they they, they all really suffered without the presence of fans. And I mean, Philly fans, as we know, are are the best in all sports. So without them bringing it, it it's uh, just really an entirely different atmosphere. So the, that one eighty is just going to be awesome. Can't wait for that. And are, is Kyle Quinn going to be? I know you work. Um, I don't know. Do you guys go remote on home games, or is it uh, out of the studios there at Market Street? No, no. Uh, I'll, I'll be in the studio. I, I'm planning on trying to get down to a game at some point this season. It, it's been a while for me, so I definitely need to get down there. 
Well, as I told you earlier, earlier on, Kyle, I have tickets to the January 9th Cowboy game. Yes, it is. All right, Kyle, let's take a look back at last week's game and let's wrap that bow around it. Uh, give me your overall assessment of the game and two encouraging things you saw from the Eagles and two things that you saw that weren't really that encouraging. Well, my overall assessment of the game was that it was just domination. I mean, I, mean, I guess from the, you know, the beginning, it was a little bit of a rocky start, but that, that's to be expected. Not a lot of these guys play with each other uh, in preseason. I mean, it could have been much worse in that regard. So that was uh, that was good to see. And then, I mean, they, they just flipped the switch. They turned it on. They, they absolutely dominated Atlanta. Um, encouraging things that I saw was uh, obviously Jalen Hurts. I mean, he looked like nowhere near the wherever Chris Sims had him ranked. The, but not even in the top 40 quarterbacks. I mean, that mm-hmm. looks pretty ridiculous right about now. Jalen Hurts looked really sharp. And the team in general, this is a testament to Nick Sirianni, the team in general looked just at, just prepared. Right. I mean, the first 15 plays, the first, you know, the first scripted drive that's supposed to be your most perfect drive of the game, uh, something that we did not see at all last season with all the terribly slow starts. They, they, I mean, they executed it to perfection. They went down, right down and scored on their first drive, and, and then they managed to make adjustments the rest of the way. That was, uh, that's a testament to both Gannon and Sirianni. So, uh, really, just the coaching staff did a great job preparing the guys, and Jalen Hurts looked sharp. I mean, those are just two things that I could go on for hours about the good things that we saw in that game, but I'll, I'll just leave it at that. So, those were two encouraging things. Discouraging. Um, obviously, you can point to that first, the first uh, couple of series on defense. They uh, they were letting Cordero Patterson run all over them, which is not ideal, uh, especially considering some of the other running backs they're probably going to face yeah. this season are much, much better than Cordero Patterson. Um, and the other thing, I guess, if I had to nitpick, they they didn't really throw down the field too much. But again, that's probably just a product of what the defense has given them, and and uh, you know, just taking what they give you. And uh, they definitely did that uh, pretty well, I would say. So, yeah, no, I, I I actually echo those sentiments exactly. Now, I do want to add one one more encouraging thing to that that I that I noticed, um, and it was something that really kind of stood out to me. Late in the game when we were just kind of teeing off on Matt Ryan, and obviously we were teeing off on him because the way the game had gone and they were forced to pretty much go back and throw. But the freshness of the defensive line and the fact that we were rotating players onto the field instead of carting them off of the field was an extremely encouraging sign for me to see when it comes to this football team. Yeah, I I mean, and just how much fun was, like, you know, and I I hate to get just way too overly excited about what you saw in week one, but uh, me personally, I love watching the big guys play football, and our offensive line and defensive line, we just dominated the trenches. We see Jordan Mailata flying around out there, just absolutely murdering people. Jason Kelsey taking other men's lives out there, and then the defensive line, like you said, just absolutely wreaking havoc on Matt Ryan. That was was so much fun. And then the one other discouraging thing I'd like to throw in there, and I know this is going to come off sounding a little like um, nitpicky, but I, I I'm a big huge fan of uh, of big balls, Doug. Okay, I, I I am not a fan of you know what what does Peyton Manning say? First down, second down, first down. That's that's how you want to run an offense. But in those off chances that you get into a situation where you find yourself in a fourth and short, I do enjoy the. Um, occasional let's go for it on fourth down but Kyle there were two occasions in the game uh last week against the Falcons where big balls Nick decided that he needed to go for it 
both times they failed on the execution of the play. And not so much that they failed on the execution, but the execution of both plays seemed like they were a little confused of what they were running. Um, first, I want to talk to you about the going forward on fourth down mentality. And then when you do decide to go forward on fourth down, the execution of the play. What did you think about that? I've gone back and forth on this a lot. And ultimately, when you make one of those kinds of decisions, the whether or not you look stupid or whether or not you look like a genius all depends on the results, whether or not you, you executed uh, well or not. And clearly, the two times they did not because they failed both times. So, that um, I mean, you could, you could definitely say they weren't good decisions in the moment. But I think looking back, I, I like the decision that Nick Sirianni is a young coach with a lot of young players. He's got a young quarterback. I like the fact that he went out there and said, hey, I'm trusting you guys. I'm trusting my offense to go out there and make that play. I think that sends a good message early on uh, for some of these young guys on the team. So I, I like the decisions to go for it there. I know they didn't work out. Ultimately, they didn't change the outcome of the game. But I think in the future, that kind of thing will pay off. Absolutely. I think so, too. And actually, I just to kind of put one last point to that, I was actually in favor of the first fourth down attempt. Not so much the second one. I'm all about getting points uh, in those situations late in the game or, you know, back into the second half. And then one last other thing about the Falcon game, and we'll move on from it. Oh, have we reverted back to accepting the ball when you get the coin flip? Because what was the deal with the Falcons taking the ball instead of deferring? Are we, has it flipped back now, or was that just a, a strategic move, you think? Yeah. just about every single time unless I was like a 2-14 and 14 team going up against a 14-2 and two team um, you know, throwback I guess with the, with the records there but um, <laughs> I mean if I needed if I knew I need to jump out to an offensive start and that was like imperative in the game then that would probably be the one time that I consider receiving but every other time I'm deferring so uh, I, don't, I don't get that book. absolutely much prefer having the ball coming out of the, out of the locker room I agree with yeah, that the old, the old double up Exactly. Which obviously worked in the Eagles' favor this past weekend. So thank you very much, Arthur Smith. All right, now let's move it on to this week's game. Uh, we're going to talk uniforms, Kyle, because the Eagles are going to be sporting the same combinations they rolled out in Atlanta last week, the green on white, whereas, of course, the 49ers going on the white on, I guess, that color is gold. I don't like – copper-ish type color. You know, they're kind of their traditional – there's the traditional road uniforms. Uh, anything there, Kyle? Did you uh, would you have much preferred to see the 49ers? I don't know come out in the Reds. I prefer. I, I think this is the right way to do it. You always put the team in the off the, the unused uniform. So, uh, what, what? Any thoughts on the uniforms, Kyle? Yeah, I hate to do this, to you, but uh, I mean, I have no thoughts on that whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> if it were, were hundred degrees and it were a really sunny day, I would say, yeah, make the Niners wear make the Niners wear the dark Okay, I, I totally 100% disagree. And I want to point out to the week one Dallas Cowboy-Tampa Bay Buccaneer game. Tampa doesn't wear white at home. Tampa usually wears their dark jerseys at home. But what did they do on week one, Kyle Quinn? Yeah, but I, I mean, with the Cowboys, it's a little bit different. The Cowboys love wearing their white. Yeah. They look better in the white, so you, you make them wear the blues because they, you know, they just don't like them. You put the Cowboys, you put the 49ers, and you put the Packers always in their whites. I don't care who, when you're playing them. You have, you have, oh, no, sorry. Cowboys in the dark. Uh, everybody else you put in their whites. That's what you do. And I'm sticking with it. God damn it. All right. Moving on to the weather. Tomorrow is going to be one of those typical week two type day, uh, days down there in South Philly. A lot like it was last year. 
uh, sun-drenched and a high of 80. Should be just a great day to return to the football field, uh, to the football stadium, Kyle. Uh, any You don't think any weather is going to play a part at all tomorrow other than maybe a, uh, bringing some sunblock along? Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't heard anything about any wind, so uh, I think the weather is probably just your, uh, your, your typical everyday football. Absolutely. I'm going to enjoy it. Well, I'm not going, but I would have enjoyed it if I was there. All right, now on to my favorite segment of our little talk, Kyle, which, of course, is the injury report. And we are holding out. We are holding steady, Kyle. The actual injury report is, is, is looking better right now than it did last week, which is amazing to me. The only player that I am, that I am yeah, yes, the only player that I am being seeing here as listed as out is Rodney McLeod. Now, first thing I want to do with that is, does that mean Landon Dickerson is activated? I would imagine so. Yeah, I mean they this, they kept uh, they kept extra linemen going into the season for a reason. So I, I think they're they, they don't want to get. <laughs> you know, you know what happened in the last year yes. with all the different offensive line yes. combinations. I think how he, you know how he likes to overcompensate for things. I think he's going to do whatever it takes in his power to uh, not get caught with, uh, with his pants down again like that. It would be very interesting if Landon Dickerson is standing on the sidelines in a uniform tomorrow. That would be something to probably keep, or not, not, not tomorrow, but on Sunday. Probably, yeah, it is tomorrow. Golly, um, probably something to keep an eye on. Um, and, of course, my main man has made his way back onto the active roster. He is not – I'm seeing no injury issues with the uh, ankle uh, for J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Uh, I'm a firm believer, Kyle Quinn, that his presence on this team this year or his presence on the field will directly impact our success as a franchise. Well, he's the best blocking wide receiver I've ever seen. Absolutely. <laughs> That's why – no, so am I. <laughs> he needs to be cut. Anyway, um, Marcus F still dealing with his concussion is kind of a questionable. Now on the other side of the coin or the other side of the sideline, not a little bit of a different story. Uh, last year, it, it was no secret that possibly the, more, the most injured team other than the Eagles was probably the 49ers. It cost them their season. We all know that. Things are not trending in a positive way heading into this year. Uh, you got um, you got this week. Uh, Raheem Mozart has now been put on the IR with a groin issue. Uh, you got D Greenlaw, who is um, who's out with an, with a groin issue. You got Emmanuel Mos- Mosby, their their cornerback, doubtful, uh, which really severely affects that team's depth at the cornerback position. And then you got uh, Armstead, doubtful uh, or questionable defensive end. Uh, Marcel Harris is questionable. Javon Kinlaw is questionable. I mean, it's really kind of a, uh, a trend that I'm sure the 49ers are not happy about. How do you see this uh, working out? Well, I, I didn't know that, uh, that Kinlaw and Armstead were both questionable. I mean, yep. if they don't play, that's obviously massive, massive for the Eagles. Um, I think he left off their other quarterback, uh, Jason, Jason Verrett. Yep, he, he's out. I think he was on, I think he's on IR. He's on IR, so, yep. And um, as yeah, as I said, really looking good for the Eagles. Um, I don't know if there's something they're doing differently down there now, but it, it really kind of if if we trend this way the rest of the way, I definitely want to think 
obviously the question is going to be about what Doug was doing that Sirianni didn't do or vice versa. So definitely something to keep an eye on. But I am not upset about it. I love it. I think it's great. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if you can <laughs> if we're all gonna if it's all gonna end up point back to Sirianni versus Doug, but a lot of it could end up being uh, Hurts versus Wentz, which is probably what it's gonna end up being, to be honest. And yeah, we'll get to that here in a second. Now, let's go. Uh, what do you think happened? What, what do you think is gonna happen out there in South Philly on Sunday? Give me a summary of that game, please. I, I think we're gonna win. I think we're gonna take advantage of these uh, some of these injuries that the Niners have, and think that we're gonna be able to control the game. Sirianni's still gonna have him. Coming up prepared, not enough tape on Nick just yet. And uh, we're, we're going to have to subdue the 49ers, take care of them uh, just by beating up on Jimmy Garoppolo. I think we're going to be able to do that. I think we're going to come away with the win. I also believe we're going to win that game, too. Um, I also believe that we're going to take advantage of the, the uh, just mentioned defensive uh, backfield of the 49ers. Uh, that is a real concern out there in the Bay Area. Again, I spoke to somebody earlier in the week. That is a real concern. They're scared to put their backfield, their, their DBs up against Quez Watkins, uh, Jalen Rager, and, of course, um, Devontae Smith. So I think for the for the first time in a long time, somebody else's secondary is in worse shape than ours. Yeah, and, and in fear of our wide receivers. Yeah. And, and, yeah. <laughs> wow. I didn't think of that. But uh, that, is a, that is a very big concern for the Bay Area right now, heading into this game. They are – they are very concerned how that how that secondary is going to hold up against against that group. So that's a great thing too. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, Kyle, give me your three keys to Bird victory. All right, I'll start with number one here, and it's keep Jalen Hurts upright. I'm not sure if, like you said, I guess Armstead and Kinlaw are questionable, but yep. if they play, I mean, they are just two out of they have just a ridiculously ferocious unit back there. Armstead is just long. He kind of reminds me of. Uh, Javon Carson away with his arms just being like 10 feet long. Um, D Ford, he's a really good pass rusher. And then, of course, uh, Bosa, he's he's going to be a problem. I'm not sure if he's going to line up against Lane Johnson or uh, or Jordan Mailata. But either way, they're going to have a bit of an issue on their hands with him. I mean, th- this guy, he gets so low. I, I don't know if Jordan Mailata is even going to be able to handle him just because of how tall he is. Yeah. So that, that's going to be a really interesting matchup to watch. Um the second key to victory is going to be make Jimmy Garoppolo beat you. Jimmy Garoppolo is by far the least scary part of the San Francisco 49ers offense. Um, Kyle Shanahan dials up plays to get his guys open and out into space. So as long as you get to Jimmy Garoppolo and stop the run, um, then this, this game is pretty much all yours. You're going to be able to control the clock and keep that offense off the field. Um, number three, and I can't remember what my number three was, so... <laughs> oh, it's it's tackle. It's tackle yes. Because last week, when uh, I mean they were struggling to tackle Core Daryl Patterson, and this week is going to be an even bigger test because they have um, George Kittle and Debo Samuel, both of whom just absolutely snack on yards after the catch. So they're going to be faced with a huge challenge tackling those guys. They need to make sure they get on them as soon as they catch the ball because they're probably going to get theirs, but they need to tackle them as soon as they catch the ball and stop them from getting those extra yardage. That's how you're going to quell that uh, say, uh, San Francisco offense. Yeah, my uh, my keys to victory are pretty pretty much nested with yours. Uh, my number three key to victory is take advantage of the banged-up secondary. Uh, we have the weapons to do that now. We can go up top. We can score points quick, fast, and in a hurry. So exploit that as long as you, you know for as long as you can exploit it. 
Uh, we saw a little bit of a taste of, as you mentioned, not so much the deep ball, but what can happen when we get these guys out in space. I didn't realize how fast Quez Watkins was. I, I, I really did not. And I looked at some some tape on him this week, and he's a pretty fast person, you know. So, <laughs> so if we can continue to get him out in space, however we want to do it, either, you know, tunnel screens, bubble screens, or just a straight, you know, deep pattern, whatever you got to do, keep – get these guys in space, exploit the weakness of the 49er uh, defensive secondary, and also continue to build on Devontae Smith's cash. Uh, he is the real deal. You know, we saw – I think we saw a little bit of him. I think the sky is the limit with this kid, but you you, you got to keep feeding him the ball and giving him the opportunities to, to build his resume. So that's my number three key to victory. My number two key to victory, uh, George Kittle. You mentioned it. George Kittle. Uh, with You know, George Kittle – Got me eight. So George Kittle is my starting tight end on my fantasy team, and I'm not going to deny that he is. And I expect him to have a big game. Uh, I'm playing him on Sunday. I don't want him to have a big game, but yet I do. So you you understand the dilemma there, right, Kyle? I do because I also have George Kittle. Okay, all right. So, but as far as keeping the damage to a minimum, um, I think tackling is the key. We tackled our tackling in space was not very good last week. No matter no matter what drive you were talking about. Uh, matter of fact, it was criminal at times. So we gotta we gotta limit the yak, as you said. We gotta limit that. I don't think we're gonna be able to limit you know the ball getting thrown to him, but we gotta limit the yak. And then my number one key to victory, uh, they are pretty sold allegedly in on the two quarterback system of Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. Expect to see him uh, some at some point tomorrow. Um, I honestly believe that if they want to do that, I think it's gimmicky. I don't think it works. I think they're going to tell you what they want to tell you to tell you that they're sold on it. But whoever's back there, you got to get pressure on the quarterback. So pressure, tackling, and continue to exploit weakness. They're my three keys to victory. Yeah, on that on that last one that you mentioned, I, I kind of hope that they do that because to me, those are almost I almost view those sort of as wasted plays. If you have really good guys on offense like George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon, I you're gonna do some weird gimmick and crap with Trey Lance. Then, I mean, by all means, go ahead. If, you're, if Trey Lance isn't gonna be your starter, then uh, just what the hell are you doing? So, I mean, mm-hmm. by all means, go right ahead. Yep. Now, give me you give me your prediction. Now, I need a score, Kyle. What's the score for tomorrow? I have the birds winning twenty-seven to twenty-three. I, I know. I think before the season, I had uh, might have penciled this one in as a loss, but you know things change, and uh, I've uh, <laughs> drastically overreacted week one. So twenty-seven, twenty-three. You know, Kyle, I, I was not going to bring that up, but I did write down all your picks from earlier in the season when we deep dived the schedule back in May, and you have changed on a couple of them, and we've only played two. So yes, but that's okay, Kyle, as you mentioned. You're allowed to do that. It, it's well, totally for fine. For the sake of being accurate, you know, you got to change last minute because this one's going to be a win. I don't want to go to one and one, predicting two wins here. And, and of course, we're both one and zero uh, heading into this week's game. Now, Kyle, I, I, unlike you, will not change for my assessment back in May. I, I picked them to beat the Falcons back in May, and I have also picked them to beat the 49ers, and I'm going to continue with that. I think they win tomorrow, 31-23. Yeah, I, I think we have another another really big offensive day on both sides of the ball. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, two, two weeks in a row scoring 30. I mean, what's, I don't think we scored 30 at all last season. So. Yeah. <laughs> I think we, we definitely be looking up. Didn't we score 30 in the Steeler game and lost? Or it was like 29? Or something. I think we scored 29. 
actually pretty positive we didn't touch 30 last year. Yeah, yeah you might be right. I threw all that away, so I, I, I'll go with what you <laughs> Yeah, it never happened. All right, Kyle, let's move on. Uh, two outside of the Eagle questions I want to ask you, and you know what this is about. It's about Mr. Carson Wentz out there in Indy, uh, and it's about the Miami Dolphins. Let's kind of go with Carson Wentz first. Uh, pretty much a very Philadelphia Eagle-esque start for Carson Wentz in Indianapolis. Uh, I didn't see anything different than what I've been watching over the last five years from him. Uh, and matter of fact, I actually listened to his after-game press conference, and Kyle, I'm telling you, if you shut your eyes and kind of like just stop paying attention, you would think you were listening to Carson Wentz last year or the year before that. Or the year before that, it was the same stuff. I got to get those plays back that I knew I could have had. I got to hold on to the football. I got to do better. I got to watch the tape. I got to clean this up. Uh, but the most important stat was that he took 100% of all the offensive snaps. What is your take on Carson Wentz's debut as a Colt? Well, to add to that, he lost while playing 100% of the snaps. Um, <laughs> that, that, I think, is uh, Good point. Good point. I mean, Good point. so low, but he probably, uh, I think, looked a little better than he had at any point last season. But again, that's not saying much, and that still isn't to say that he looked good, because I don't think that he looked good. He saw him run around, bringing the pocket too early, hold the ball too long, taking unnecessary stacks, and taking unnecessary hits. And I mean, uh, that is what should be discouraging as Eagles fans, all the hits he's taken, because he is behind a good offensive line. So if he's not able to stay up right behind that, he's getting knocked around, and um, that's not going to go well with the 100% snap thresholds, but I mean other than that, yeah, like you said, it, it looks like pretty much typical of Carson Wentz, so Absolutely. That, that goes well for the 100% at the, uh, and the higher draft And also the last thing on Carson was there was a lot of negative feedback directed towards the Colt O-line and I really wish those people would open their eyes and see that it's not the O-line's problem, it, it's the guy behind it, that's the issue, right? They'll come around, they'll come around Yeah, I, I know, it took us a while, but but, yeah, it's kind of comical. Now about the Miami Dolphins. Kyle, they snatched victory out of the jaws of defeat last week. Uh, I really didn't think they were going to win that game, and they cost me some money, actually. Um, concerns? Of, concerns? No, I still think Miami's probably what I pegged in the bid. It didn't surprise me in any, any way, one, one way or the other. So um, I still think two is kind of a bomb, and uh, I think the defense is going to be good enough to carry them to about eight wins or so, and I think that's going to be about it. I think them and New England are probably two pretty evenly matched teams, so I think that game pretty much went the way I expected. So. All right. Well, we'll check back next week. Hopefully it's the same stuff, same bit of bad news, but um, hopefully. yeah, hopefully. All right, Kyle, give me your MVP of tomorrow's game, either you know, on either team. It's going to be Devontae Smith. Yeah. Based on Mosby and uh, Jason, Jason Barrett, I think now we actually have an offensive coach who's going to know to exploit that matchup. Doug Peterson was oblivious to that kind of stuff. So uh, Nick Sirianni, I think, I think is going to take advantage of that, that hole that they have in, in their secondary there. And I mean, let's go. Let's get Devontae Smith cooking more. So give me Devontae Smith. I agree with that. I'm going to go with Devontae Smith as well. I think I went with him last week. I'm going, to keep, I'm going to keep riding him because I really believe we have just scratched the surface on his potential, and I think we're going to see big things from the man. All right, final thing, Kyle, my question of the week. spent a lot of time thinking about this, Kyle Quinn, and I came up with this one. 
if, if the, as always, if the 49, if the Eagles beat the 49ers tomorrow, where do you believe the expectation level in Eagles Nation will rise to? I'm going to give you three choices. A, um, multiple digit wins. B, the playoffs. C, the Super Bowl. Well, I, I think it's probably a combination of A and B, multi-digit wins with a, a, a division title. I, I think people are kind of, you know, there, there was a faction of people who were saying that they think it's going to be a bad team. Obviously, secretly, they want it to be, they, they want to be wrong. And, and that is that this game, they are just waiting for that opportunity to say, okay, I was wrong. And, you know, people are still a little bit hesitant to say, I want to wait and see what they do against the 49ers. But if they come out strong against the 49ers, um, then I think you're going to see a lot of people start turning. And I think you're going to hear a lot of double-digit predictions. And you're going to start hearing talk, uh, people talking about the NFC East because, I, I mean, especially considering what's been going on around the rest of the division. I mean, um, the football team, the Giants, just made asses out of themselves on national television and then you're going to have the Cowboys playing a tough one against the Chargers who I think are a juggernaut this season so if all things go right then we're going to be 2-0 and and uh, two teams in the NFC East are going to be 0-2 and uh, that's a really good start for the Eagles if you ask me. Yeah, absolutely and I don't, going back to your point about the Giants and the football team, yeah I watched that game Dan Jones is very athletic he's sneaky athletic, I will give him that <laughs> He really, really is, and I'll give him that. But he's a he's a horrible quarterback. Yeah, uh, he's just no, a he's 